0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: You're listening to The 30
0: Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang
2: all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to a new episode of the 30 the first one of 2023 before we jump into things on the sixers don't forget subscribe to liberty ballers podcast network you can catch us on apple Podcasts, spotify you name it we are there and of course check out our talented team of writers at libertyballers.com one of the people who is behind the magic you see on the site mr jackson frank jackson i was going to say happy new year but at which point do we reach the day that you can't say it anymore do you think like january 4th it's still okay for me to say this
1: my my general rule of thumb has been with this: like, if I see anyone for the first time in January of the new year, I feel like it's okay. But it definitely gets a little weird past like the first week, first week and a half. Yeah. I think before the fourth is certainly an appropriate time.
2: Yeah, I feel like it depends on how close you are to a person. Like, if I'm seeing, <laughs> if I'm seeing like a friend, if I'm seeing like a coworker or something, and we're like two weeks in. It's like, oh yeah, yeah did you have a good year? Or hope you know, have a good year. But I think that once you get to like maybe I I feel like today is the cutoff right I I saw a couple (laughs) things yesterday being like the third is the cutoff but I feel like January 4th is the cutoff for saying happy New Year's anybody listening to this podcast likely going to be after the fourth don't say it anymore okay that's uh, (laughs) that's what we're going to go with um let's jump into some Sixers talk uh they're getting healthy Tyrese Maxey back in the lineup of course they're taking on a Pacers team uh we're recording this on on Wednesday afternoon they're taking on a Pacers team that Uh, has really surpassed expectations at the 21 and 17 one four in a row still hanging on to the sixth and final guaranteed playoff spot in the eastern conference uh sean and dave will be back with the talking about show after that but uh jackson and i are going to be taking a look like a look at the bigger picture stuff so jackson we're looking at this team we're approaching the midway point they're 22 and 14 um played really well obviously getting their guys back as i mentioned with with maxi and getting healthy uh this team has won 10 of its last 12 when you're looking at now coming up in this stretch and 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 this next run here what are you looking for from the sixers for the next ten or so games let's say
1: yeah i think it's it's a matter of kind of figuring out the optimal lineups figuring out what style they they should be playing with everyone healthy um you know how much how much is tobias involved you know how much is is Maxie involved you know is are these three-guard lineups successful and, and not just a three-guard lineup is a concept but is what sort of mixing and matching among the four guards in the rotation work best, right? So um, figuring that, I think, you know, I, I'm pessimistic it happens, but I think with everyone healthy, you have at least the, the depth to reduce some of James Harden's minutes, maybe Joel a minute or two as well. So, um, you know, we didn't, I don't, I don't think in Monday's game against the Pelicans, we saw much of any all bench lines. We saw basically Harden and beat on the floor for, Almost every minute um, when you saw Montrose Harrell have a better game, which is not a coincidence when you don't, you know, you don't make Jake Milton as his lead guard. So um, just stuff like that, preparing for the next second half of the year. And obviously this team has deep playoff runs. You know, the, the, the the big goal is, you know, is, uh, is their title, at least in NBA finals appearance or an Eastern Conference finals appearance. But yeah, just kind of figuring everything out with, with your guys health, you've been playing well and, and whatnot. So that's that's a big thing to me. It's just answering lineup questions. Who works well together? What style do we want to play? What are we good at? Where do we still have some limitations? So navigating all of that, you know, especially ahead of the deadline, which is your last kind of chance to really invigorate this roster, um, you know, before the before the stretch run of things.
2: And hey, Jackson, you're looking at this. You, you mentioned Harden, right? Like he's leading the league in minutes. Thirty eight point one uh only played in 21 games so far this season but obviously not ideal for a 33 year old when you're when you're looking at okay they're getting maxi back obviously that's going to alleviate some of the pressure on on Harden it doesn't have to be out there as kind of the primary creator although you know De'Anthony Anthony Mountain we saw shake Milton have a nice little run there um for a little bit but that job without the team being fully healthy falls on Harden but one thing I wanted to ask you about um with Harden as well you're looking at his shooting totals right like uh, field goal percentage wise uh, hasn't been great 43.7% for the season Um again the th- uh, from the three-point line not uh, doing really well above league, a- league average at 37.2 but when you look at why he's struggling a little bit from inside the arc what changes do you think he needs to make in order to be a little bit more efficient with his with his shooting uh, uh, especially when it comes to like I said inside the three-point line
1: yeah I, I think at this point I, I don't have a great solution for him he just he's just He's the diminished athlete at this point, doesn't trust his finishing as much, you know, in his prime, he was a very good finisher. And part of it was, he had really, really good kind of side to side fluidity. His Euro step was great. Um, his ability to kind of fit in tight windows and, and still explode. Um, you know, cause he was a, he was a big kind of a uh, big time dunker, uh, you know, especially in that yeah. six, six, six man role um, guy got downhill. A lot. He was, you know, he kind of evolved his game over the years, but I don't think he has that anymore. So, um, there's not a great solution. I think he's just kind of going to go a little bit as a scorer as his three point shot goes. And that's been the case the last couple of years. Um, his, his free throw rates way down, uh, this year compared to where it was, you know, last year with the Sixers, he was at, uh, uh, his free throw rate was 0. 0.650 this year. It's 0. 0.440. Uh, I think he's been better the last few games to get to the line. I don't know if he's actually done anything a lot better, maybe a little more aggression downhill. Um, but he is kind of sometimes at the whim of the officials, Um, which is kind of just the the nature of his game to an extent. But yeah, inside the arc, I don't have a great solution. I think he's been a little more aggressive trying to get his own shot in transition too. We've seen him kind of barrel the rim in single coverage against a backpelling defender on the break. So um, I think the big thing is maybe just try and get out and run a little more. He's obviously pretty good at those hit-ahead passes, those cross-court passes to guys like Maxey and Melton and Shake. But um, as an individual scorer, you haven't seen him be super aggressive in transition, but you've seen a little more the last few games. So um, that'd be the big thing is just trying to take advantage, you know, of of those open core opportunities you can versus the congested lane. So, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of a matter of that. But, yeah, on the year, he's, you know, he's been quite good, playing really good ball. So, um, you know, you just kind of have to acknowledge that he's more of a top 15, top 20 guy when he's out there rather than the perennial MVP candidate. He kind of was, um, you know, dating back to before that, that hamstring injury, his first, uh, you know, year in Brooklyn.
2: Yeah. And, and you mentioned Jackson there that the, the, the three guard lineups, right. And, and we saw Doc kind of tinker with that and obviously getting, getting Maxie back into the fold will make things easier on that, on that front. And so, you know, we saw times that we saw Maxie Harden uh, D'Anthony Melton on the court together. We saw him try different stuff with, you know, um, Matisse Teibel and, and, but he's trying different things. So th- thank God, right, Jackson. I mean, come on, after, after all the complaints we've had about Doc Rivers, at least he's trying something different. Um when you look at the effectiveness of these three guard lineups, and and uh, Dave really wrote about this on, on Liberty Baller, so if you do get a chance, uh, do check that out. Uh, just mention the fact that how... The Sixers have struggled in terms of pushing the pace. They did say they wanted to try and get out and and get some easier buckets and and maybe they'll be able to do that with with a three guard rotation. Um when you look at that do you think that they'll be effective with with the combination of players that they have or is there something different you you think you're looking for from the lineups? And 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 so far we'll jump into this a little bit um deeper, but what are your thoughts on the job Doc has done thus far this season? Obviously he's been a lightning rod in philly uh been the brunt of many jokes over the last couple of years blowing the 3-1 leads in the, in the playoffs uh got a little bit testy last year against against toronto when when the raptors had had won a couple in a row so looking at that like where, where do you think they're they're at with the combinations with the guards and what are your thoughts so far on doc rivers performance as as the head coach this season
1: yeah i think it's going to take some time you know we've only had two games with maxi back um it's going to take some time to kind of really solidify my, my thoughts on that. But um, I'm curious to see how they hold defensively. I think it's something that, you know, Melton can guard up. But, you know, the, the trio of Harden, Maxi, and, and Shake is not a particularly uh stout defensive trio. I think Harden's actually been pretty impressive uh, defensively, you know, for his standards, been pretty solid, especially with his hands, getting things in the passing lane, swiping the ball off of guys, getting steals, especially since he came back. Um, you know, Maxi I think, struggles with, you know, uh, like executing switches pr- uh, promptly and he's just small shake. I don't think it's a very good navigating screen. So you're, you're at a, a tough spot there, but offensively, I think you have a lot of potency. Um, I think like, if you're going to do these three guard lineups, you want at least one of Hardener and beat out there at all times, which is not necessarily like rocket science. I think that's obviously what you want, regardless of, you know, how many guards you're playing. But um, I do like the offensive potential uh, of these lineups. You have four really talented and kind of different, Style of guards. You have you know the lead ball handler in, in Harden, who's you know probably still the best scorer of the bunch. You have a guy like Melton, who's really really good at pushing transition, making some connective passes, really good spot up shooter. Um, but Stroh's is going to score inside the arc. You have Maxi, who's you know a dynamo off the catch and really good transition. And then you have Shake, who's really kind of blending a little bit of all that. He's gotten better as a catch and shoot player this year. Really good attacking off the catch. Um, can make some impressive interior passes, wraparound passes. So um I like the offensive potential of this group, but I'm curious to kind of see how they manage it because guard depth is is kind of the positional strength of this roster. Um you know the wings you know, aren't great behind behind Tobias. Um this, the center depth is is kind of up and down and kind of match independent behind Joel. So um I think you kind of got to lean into as much as you can and, and kind of figure out where what combinations work well, where do we maybe not go as heavy into you know, these three-year lineups. And if we have to, we're like, if we have a, if we're playing against a team that has a couple of really talented wings, um, kind of, how can we find an advantage there? You know, with our guards, maybe guys being a little more mobile and stuff like that. So, uh, I don't have really definitive thoughts yet, but those are some of the things I'm looking for as they continue to play him. And as Maxi continues to play and, and reintegrate himself into the lineup.
2: Yeah. That, and that, I think that's going to be the, the, the interesting thing to look out for over the next couple of weeks obviously the nba season a total grind a marathon at 82 games but giving us something to look out for i I think you do too i'm not saying that anybody wouldn't but it's like we're just expecting to see maxi getting back rounding into form after missing basically a couple of months there with that injury so that that's something to keep an eye on and like you mentioned how doc does run these rotations he's got his full slate of players now. There's no excuses with injuries. There's no excuses with um, you know, guys out of the lineup. So it's time to to really hopefully get on a run here because you look at at the Sixers schedule, as I mentioned, uh, we were recording this on a Wednesday. They're taking on the Pacers tonight. And then you got the Bulls who are struggling on Friday. You got back to back against the Pistons, OKC, Utah, uh an awful Lakers team, and you're on that West Coast swing. So I mean again, some very winnable games here that are going to allow the Sixers, hopefully if they play at their best, to get some more wins had that record they're at 22 and 14 as i mentioned before only three games out of the top spot behind boston you obviously got brooklyn the hottest team in the league winning 12 in a row at number two and then you got milwaukee cleveland cavaliers uh at four so this is gonna be a good time for for the sixers to try and take advantage and uh and try and get themselves into at least maybe the top two or three spots with that easy schedule uh jackson want to jump into a couple more things talk a little bit about Joel Embiid. talk a little bit a little about the offense the defense what your thoughts are there we'll do that after a short break All right, we're back. Uh, Jackson wanted to jump into an MB talk. I mean, he's just been uh, friggin' amazing. I love watching him play. Uh, I love watching the way he has evolved his game from being this, you know, p- predominantly down low guy to being able to beat you from the high post, being able to beat you from the three point line. Uh, he does it all. At one Eastern Conference Player of the Month for December 35.4 points, 9.9 rebounds. You look at him overall, he's second in the league in scoring behind Luka Doncic, uh, going to very much be right back in the. NBA MVP award conversation come time for April. Uh when you look at Joel, is there any because I mean you do such a good job like breaking down the little intric- intricacies of the game Jackson. When you have seen Embiid this season, is, is there anything you think he's added on compared to I mean obviously been super dominant the last two but or maybe he's tweaked a little bit in the offseason coming
1: into this one? I think something that we've seen a little more especially since Harden came back and we saw a lot of this last year is he's become a a really good off-ball score, not just in the sense that you can run pick and rolls. Them we see how how good he is at that. I think it's it's funny to think about now that there are worries about kind of could he play next to a primary ball? Like would he be a good you know pick and roll scorer? Now he's you know last I checked, I think he was one of the most like high volume and efficient uh, pick and roll finishers in the NBA. um But he's eat like I think Doc call it the, that slot cut, which is kind of that area between the wing and the top of the key. Um, had that awesome play against the Hornets when he dropped was it 53 or 50? I can't remember exactly what he had a few weeks ago. Um, I think he did it more recently too in a, in a game. So that's kind of the biggest thing I, I would say. But just also the 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 comfort he has from that free throw line area. It's it's impressive to think about the fact that you know when he came to the league and you know this first couple of years when he became you know an All NBA player was he loved that left block right and he still loves that left block. But nowadays with Harden back. Like I think if you kind of if you were able to track, and maybe there's some second spectrum data that you know I don't have access to, but if you kind of track where he's most often you know operating offensively, kind of with a heat map, it would be that free throw line area. So to be able to shift kind of your go-to area and get even better. Whereas you were still you know a borderline, you were still an MVP candidate two years ago from that left block, um, like really impressive to kind of evolve there. We were just so good. Um, the pull-up game is, you know, as good as it's ever been, I think. So, um, just kind of more an expansion of what we saw last year, both before and after Harden's arrival and just kind of, and just kind of fine tuning that I think especially you know, when we see some passing and still as well, you know, you saw how well he passed the ball when Harden was out against the Thunder. He didn't shoot the ball well, but, you know, still had 10 assists, um, a little sloppy with a lot of turnovers, but, um, you know, I think, you know, he didn't, I I don't know if this could be projecting, but I don't think he was completely. Particularly worried about the Thunder coming back, and you know, when you get get out to a thirty point lead in the first half, um, you know it's not a big deal. So those are the big things. It just felt like more kind of a expanded upon what we saw last year uh, and kind of the the full proliferation of of his game that makes him such a devastating offensive talent uh, at this point in his career.
2: Yeah, and and we've seen him Jackson and and James Harden be really really effective in in, in the pick and roll, um, and obviously it's an adjustment for Embiid too, right? When when you're you're coming in a couple of years ago, obviously Maxi was a rookie you know, you're, you're playing with him. You're not expecting too much from him. then year two, you're missing Ben Simmons and has to tweak his game and, and adjust to having the fact that, okay, I don't, I don't have Ben here. Uh, we got this guy who's emerging in maxi, and then you make this trade for Hart, You know what I mean? Like there's so many moving parts around him, but he's still, you know, hasn't faltered at all. When you look at your personal ballot, right? Like wh- where do you have him um, amongst the NBA? Again, very early in the season, but do, do you think this is a, the season he finally breaks out? To win the MVP?
1: It's tough just because like he's he's gonna be working uphill the entire year because of those eight games he missed across the first eight or twenty or first six or eight, 15 or twenty games of the season. Um I would have him top five right now. I think the top six, um, you know, especially with kind of Steph unfortunately having that, that shoulder is gonna you know keep him out for at least a couple more weeks. Like, I think this top six in some form is uh, you know, KD, Jokic, Luka, Giannis, Tatum, and Embiid. Um, you know, I think, you know, for me, my top three would, would kind of be some, I think right now it's like a KD, Luka, Jokic, and then a small kind of cutoff tier with, with Tatum, uh, Embiid and Giannis, uh, the next one, I don't necessarily know if I have in an order, I think KD right now would be my top pick. He's just been incredible on both ends and playing a ton of minutes and, and all that. Um, but, but I don't think by any means it's, it's impossible for Embiid to get up there. You know, he's played 16 straight games, playing a ton of minutes, playing really well, I think he's coming off of one of his best defensive games there too. I thought he was overall really, really good on defense against the Pelicans in conjunction with, uh, you know, the 42 points on, I think 24 shots. So, um, you know, one of his, you know, he's had some really good games here, but I think that might've been one of his best all around games, which is in testament to both the way he played and a testament to how, how well he's played all season. So um, he'd be kind of in my top five or six right now, but he's just working from a bit of a deficit in terms of games and minutes played um, because I think those other guys have been, you know, roughly as good as him, you know, a per game basis. So, uh, but I think he can get there. I, I don't necessarily know if he will, um, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he, if he does win the MVP or if he's no finalistic in this year for the third straight season. But for me, just a little bit outside of that, that highest tier right now, but certainly kind of see the upper mobility by no means a indictment of how he's played when he's on the floor, it's just the reality that you know, he's missed, uh, you know, eight games and, you know, guys like, you know, Luca, I think has missed one or two. Yoko just missed two or three Tatum, one or two. So, um you know just just tough to kind of really you know make up that minutes gap through only you know 35 40 40 45 percent of the year
2: well there you have it Sixers fans Jackson Frank saying Joel and <laughs> not an MVP candidate not we're gonna break this down no I'm just messing with you no I, I agree with you I think he's got a, obviously missing some time and and looking around the league uh we mentioned you know Luka's been Luka's been fantastic obviously Giannis um always going to be a part of that conversation Nikola Jokic um Kevin Durant have been having a great season too so again lots of time left yet I mean I I do think if if he continues what he's doing and the Sixers are obviously you know can't just be like a six seed going going in I think that makes it difficult to um get the votes to become MVP because usually it goes to to guys who are on teams who are, who are you know like one of the top two three four five teams in the league obviously with Jokic we saw something different that was because that team was so deft of talent without uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray so again I, I do have a feeling though if Embiid if the Sixers are able to finish as like a top two seed in the east and Embiid's putting up these numbers I feel like voters might just feel like they have to give it to him at this point you know what I mean because you can't you can't keep denying the fact that what the Sixers would be with or without this guy and that's including Harden Maxi in the lineup there's a huge huge drop off so I, again I mean we could say the same thing about um, the Mavericks with with Luka Doncic so lots lots of time to play out and we'll we'll see kind of how things shake out, uh, Jackson. I want to jump into a couple more things. First off, looking at kind of the Sixers' offense defense discrepancies, right? You look at this team uh, defensively, third in in, in defensive rating, sixth overall net rating, uh, best team in terms of opponent three point percentage. So you're like, okay, they're they're really figuring it out there on on that front. Don't give up too much. Um, to the opposition second points allowed and then you look at some of the offensive numbers right they're they're sitting at 20th and in, into in points per game uh, not bad in three-point shooting it in fifth but not totally efficient second last in rebounding when you look at the offensive end of the floor specifically um, what is one adjustment you want to see the Sixers make now that they're fully healthy
1: I haven't worried honestly about the offense much since Harden came back a, a month ago they're they're sixth in offense, third in defense, fourth in net rating. This is all you know from cleaning glass. I think the defense is benefiting from some pretty nice uh three-point shooting luck. Uh, there's a lot of data out there that says it's pretty tough to actually like alter three-point shots on a on a wide scale. Obviously, you see guys like Draymond and Matisse Seibel and D'Anthony Melton, sometimes McFee as well. But generally speaking, it, it's pretty tough to, you know, affect the wide spectrum, just kind of based on a lot of data out there. Um, but I think that like I don't worry a ton about the offense. I think like you know, schematically, they're not doing a ton of cr- super creative things, but they also don't have to because a lot of it is we have a, you know, arguably the best scorer in the NBA, uh, in Joel. You know, maybe you can make some qualms about kind of where he goes in the playoffs, but at least in the regular season, he's arguably the best guy averaging, you know, 35 a game, basically. Uh, and you have, you know, arguably the best pick and roll passer, arguably the best pocket passer in James Harden. So we're going to run a lot of pick and rolls with Harden flowing to his left and making that pocket pass to Joel to free throw lineman. If they double, if they bring nail help, we'll swing it to a Tyrese Maxi, a Anthony Melton, a Tobias Harris, and George Yang. Uh if they don't bring nail help, then we'll let we'll let Joel play single coverage. And we like our chances when Joel has single coverage in that spot. So um the offense I think is in a pretty good spot. I I, I do like I guess I, I am kind of curious to see how much Maxi can invigorate the offense. I think this definitely has the potential to be a a top three or four unit. I think the off the defense is, you know, if if the shooting luck regresses. Um, you know, more of a top four or five or six unit, but that's a really good recipe. If you have a top four or five offense or the top six or seven defense, you're in a very good spot in the playoffs. So um, I don't have a lot of qualms. Like I said, you know, I've I've criticized the lack of offensive creativity at times, but I do think it can be tough to be super creative because Harden, you know, as flexible as he's been in terms of some of his play style, he's still not a very good off-ball player, um, doesn't move a lot off the ball. It's tough to be super creative, but um, all in all, I think I think they're pretty solid. Um, I'm curious to kind of see when these, when these shrewd defenses maybe continue to take advantage of P.J. Tucker's lack of, you know, offensive, you know, juice outside of the corners and Matisse Seibel's lack of offensive juice, kind of what they do to counter that. I think you saw at times maybe against, uh, this is before, um, I think Harden, uh, and Maxie were back, but against the Cavs, you know, when they got blown out, I think the Cavs did a really good job of using their size to mitigate some things against P.J. Tucker, uh, we're not against each other, but use Peter Tucker's lack of scoring to mitigate things as a whole. So um, just kind of more of a wait and see about what they do against some of these really good, uh, these really good defenses. And they still have to play the Celtics three times, the Nets three times, the Bucks twice more. Um, I think they have the Cavs twice more. So, um, you know, they get the Clippers again, they get the Grizzlies again. So um, some of these, these really good defenses around the league, they're going to get to see again. And so, curious what happens when, when they are, are facing them versus some of these these easier matchups. You know, like the Pelicans are a pretty good defense. I think they're top six or seven, but um, you know, they're still we're missing Herb Jones one of those games. So um, just kind of curious, kind of see what happens. You know, against the, those those top flight defenses, and if they continue to be a top ten or top five or better offense.
2: Yeah, against against better competition, and and and, and you know, I think looking at the at the January schedule for this month, three weeks from uh, today. Taking on the Nets at home again. All of that that first game with Ben Simmons' return was super fun because they won without their big three. So uh, it'll be great to see to see that one too. And there'll still be a little bit of drama there. And Jackson, I was going to say you mentioned James Harden not being able to not being effective at, at moving without the ball in the offensive end. Of course, he's playing 38 minutes a night. He's got to he's got to <laughs> conserve some energy. What's going to be able to do? Um, final one for you. Want to jump into some uh, just general NBA talk? Like we've seen these crazy stat lines over the last week right donovan mitchell obviously 71 11 and 8 uh for the calves you had lebron put up 43 Giannis had a 55 night clay had a 54 night um Joel Embiid 42 Doncic had 39 like you look at this and it's 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 crazy right like we're not again i i grew up in the you know it was an elementary school entering high school in the 90s where it was you were seeing 90 to 84 games and if a guy had 50 it was like a big deal although i remember once I don't know if you'd remember this, Jackson, because, uh, you know, I don't know what the age difference is, but like Tony Delk once scored like 50 some odd points for the Suns. And it was like the hugest deal. You know what I mean? Cause it's like one only like two or three guys would do that in a season. Um, when you're looking at this and I saw somebody pose this question on Twitter and I, I'm sorry, I forget, uh, who it was exactly, but it got me thinking too. And you're, and you're looking at, the league as a whole, obviously, we're seeing way more scoring like over the last, let's just say, decade or so where things have, have really changed into being high scoring, high powered, lots of spacing, lots of shooting. Uh, you know, and am not saying teams aren't playing defense. It's just it's tougher to stop when you got positionless basketball. Right. Like back in back in the day, you would have guys who are seven foot tall. A power forward who's maybe six ten, you know, and you'd have two guys on the block, and everything was run through that. So it was a very slow game. But when you look at these stats, are they like are they as meaningful as they were ten years ago? Obviously, I'm not like I'm not taking away from the fact, dude, scoring fifty five points in an NBA game is very very difficult. Uh, You deserve a ton of credit for being able to do that. But when you look at at the numbers, the stats, the 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 fact the game has changed so much, like is a 50-point game still as impressive as it was, let's say, 10, 15 years ago?
1: Well, yeah, I think I think it really matters kind of the, the pace you're playing, right? Because, you know, back in the 70s, you know, we looked like Will, obviously an incredible player. but part of the reason, you know, every time a guy has an absurd deadline that he's on there times 100 is because they played at ridiculous pace. Like, he was, he was averaging, like, a lot more, you know, possessions per game, which just means you're going to have more opportunities to produce stats. Um, but, you know, you look at it versus the 2000s. Um, like I think a funny stat that I always like to look at that I, I don't know if this is necessarily correct, but there's like you know back when the the seven seconds or less sons were kind of revolutionizing offense. Like if you applied it to today, their pace it would be like near the bottom of the league, which is hilarious because they were kind of like nobody played that quickly, nobody got up and down that quickly. Um, so that helps. But um, and then obviously like defense. You know I don't know when some of these hand rules and when you know legal defense became a thing. Um, but like, it's, it's harder to play defense because you aren't allowed to put your hands on a guy. You aren't allowed to just camp in the key, um, and things like that. So yeah, that kind of um,
2: changed, that kind of changed. I think in like the early 2000s, early to mid. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, cause I remember like, if you, you go back and like look at some MJ clips, there's a lot of times where guys are, are like camping out and stuff. And I could be misremembering some of the specific rules, but point being there's, there have been a lot of rules made by the NBA to help offenses. Um, so I think, yeah, like if you were to say like. Giannis scoring 55 today versus Giannis scoring 55. Let's say like the, the wizards and bucks game was transport 2003. It would probably be more impressive that if we're to score 55 then, and obviously now that we're saying this, but like, it's like, it's still impressive today, but yes, I think you do have, that's why you kind of, it's nice to look at per 100 possession stats to look at, you know, how fast team teams playing? What are the, some of the rules there? Like, that's why you look at league average offensive rating versus, you know, nowadays versus, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And generally, it's kind of always been on the up and up the last 15, 10 years. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, in a vacuum, yes, it would be more impressive to do it when teams played slower and when defense was was not as difficult to do without breaking the rules. So, uh, yeah, but again, as we're not there for the doesn't make it any, doesn't make Donald Mitchell 71 less, doesn't make it unimpressed, doesn't make it. Giannis 455, like like up with the ball in the hoops, I got to do it across a 48 minute game, obviously Mitchell had 53 minutes to do so, but, um, still 71 is 71 points. So, so yeah, I, I think the offensive context is more favorable than it was 10, 15 years ago, but it doesn't mean that it, it you know necessarily takes away from the accomplishments that we've been seeing this year and over the past two, three, four, five, six seasons.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's the part that I've looked at too. Like, it's like, I don't want to diminish the fact that, Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points in an NBA game. You know what I mean? Like that's obviously r- crazy and ridiculous. So you don't want to diminish that. But I'm saying, I, I think now I'm looking at like 40 points. It's like, uh, you know, that's it's 40 points, obviously a great stat line. But if you look at it, it's not the same as what it was Uh, to me 10, 15 years ago. And like I said, I grew up Um, really in the late 90s. I started getting into basketball. I saw MJ's last three, you know, championship titles um, with the Bulls. And, and I remember those games. And, and then, I mean, especially after jordan had left i mean that 2005 finals between the the spurs and the and the pistons like games were like 77 70 and it's like okay i don't want to watch that you know what i mean nobody wants to be seeing the leading score of the game at 14 points but i mean that's just it, it's just such a difference to me that was kind of like yeah i think scoring 40 now for like these superstar guys it's just going to happen more frequently and that's just the way the game is um jackson let's wrap things up here uh, always want to thank you for joining me, and we're obviously going to do this again soon. Now we're we're back in the swing of things, uh, especially with our podcast network and and the Sixers starting to get their stuff together. So uh, looking forward to keep on recording these uh, at least once a week for the for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just as you know, a fun little tool for instance, like Cleaning the Glass is a great site um, to use. Like in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, the off the average offensive and defensive ratings were one of eight point seven. This year, I think they're up to like. 113 maybe 114 so that's over a decade and a half you've seen the average you know a 115 now so almost seven points per 100 possessions over a, a, almost a decade and a half so uh just an example there of how much you know offensive you know efficiency has risen and how much defensive efficiency has uh depreciated so uh yeah always have to hop, hop on and you know i'm sure we'll talk uh, more and uh you know we'll have some some fun games coming up and Uh, you know, a lot, you know, that for us to learn as a six or to get healthier and, you know, kind of solidify kind of who they are on both ends of the floor.
2: Yeah. And then we're definitely looking for them to, uh definitely looking for them to to go on a run here and 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 start to you know they have done a good job of that obviously like I said winning 10 of 12 but keep ascending the uh the Eastern Conference standings all right that'll do it for this one that's Jackson Frank uh, of course like I said he writes for us at Liberty Ballers does a ton of other work as well you can follow him uh on Twitter I'll put that up in, into the link uh on the podcast and of course don't forget subscribe to liberty ballers podcast network always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one uh, you could do your subscription to us on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get your fix we are there and as i mentioned sean and dave if you're listening to this uh, earlier on wednesday sean and dave will be back with post-game on wednesday the gastro crew uh, recording on thursday and then myself and paul hudrick uh, will be recording on friday after the bulls take on the sixers in philly